0: Amen. Now, before we go into, we're going to just read just a few verses of Scripture that helps affirm the context, again, from the title that I've given you today. And I don't necessarily believe that every time a pastor preaches, he has to have a title. But the content needs to be decisive. It needs to be something that you can... Embrace and and you can walk away saying I understand the point of reference that was being made here I want to just remind you of the great value And privilege that we have of just having scripture Amen. Just scripture script God wrote on a tablet of stone that was the first Scripture It was validated by his audible voice heard on Mount Sinai And it set the precedence for the coming of Scripture because Moses, when he wrote the law, when he went back up on Mount Sinai and spent 40 days in God's presence, hearing the words of God, Moses said there will be words that are in harmony after the tenor, so what the King James English says, after the tenor of these words, the Scripture would be given. And it might be recorded incidents in the lives of men and women it could be the chronicles of the kings, the journeys of the nation of Israel, their ups and downs, highs and lows, their seasons of revival, their times of apostasy. It could be personal worship experiences known as the Psalms. It could be strong judgments of God that were granted by prophets like Jeremiah or Ezekiel who saw the, the people of God unfortunately receiving of the wrath of God because of their sin. But the Apostle Paul, who was chosen by God to give us two thirds of the canon of the New Testament, as he did so, looked back to the Old Testament and said this all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, it's profitable for correction, it's profitable for reproof, it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture. Now, what's so marvelous about the Word of God is that God doesn't did not give us His Word uh, without His heart being, you know, released in his word without his wisdom in it is released in the word even the very minute details of his word sometimes holds a deep spiritual truth that if you're not careful you will overlook and that's why the the scriptures are alive you know the word of god is living and active and so it, it, as you read it then the holy spirit will show you something that you've not seen before. There's something there. And you've read over that passage many times. But now in that moment of time. The Holy Spirit reveals to you something. It, it illuminates your eyes. It, the scripture itself says it enlightens the eye. And all of a sudden you see something. And And it might be a, a spiritual principle. But did you know sometimes it can be a natural principle. Or natural um, object that's captured by scripture that God then adds a spiritual principle to it. Now, the Scripture speaks of metaphors. Paul used that word, or he used the word analogy in Scripture in the book of Galatians. And when I read the Scriptures, I'm always reminded of 1 Corinthians that said, not first that which is spiritual, but first that which is natural. And he said, then that which is spiritual. So, sometimes God uses natural things to teach spiritual principles. But when he does, deep calls to deep. It's not just a natural connection that's made, but a deep spiritual principle is released in your life. And it nourishes you unlike any other thing. I'm telling you, when God reveals to you a word, you know what I'm talking about, a quickened word, his Holy Spirit gives that to you. Then that gets in your spirit and it lifts your countenance. And my personal opinion, unlike anything else, when God just drops a word down in your heart and all of a sudden it just... Just bears witness with your spirit, it brings joy and peace and hope, changes your demeanor because of the depth of that word. And I'm trusting that today. Now, let me say one more statement concerning that before we get into scripture for just a moment of time today. I know that we can use all types of objects and analogies and stories. Jesus himself taught stories. They were called parables oftentimes. And so in our culture today, many attempt to follow the pattern of Jesus by telling stories. Now, stories can be good, and they're a great thing, and I'm not in any wise necessarily against it. But there's a uniqueness about the stories that were captured in Scripture. I can't just tell you a story about my childhood that has the depth that it will have concerning a story that would be about perhaps one of the Joash, the king, who was made king at seven years of age because that was captured by God on parchment for us to read for millennia. We're to read it and contemplate upon it. God has captured it. So just want to remind you today, there's nothing like the scripture and how God speaks to your heart and it brings life to us and it's this context as we pick up this thought for a moment a day of refreshing i want to show you just a few verses of scripture where this word is found and we're just going to journal through these very quickly and first in the book of exodus the 23rd chapter the 12th verse and i'm just going to follow along with you here on the screen six days shalt thou do thy work and on the seventh day thou shalt rest that thine ox and thine ass may rest and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed so here's the one of the things that's important. As you see the usage of a particular word, both in either the Hebrew or the Greek, in order to understand its depth, you look at it from different passages of scriptures. You look at the context in which it was given. It builds the fullness of this word. So here's the word refresh God himself. When he put the Sabbath rest in place, the reason why is because God knew the tendencies of men to be so driven, so driven towards production that God said if i don't purposely slow them down then they will overdrive themselves their families they'll be erratic emotionally physically psychologically so god said i'm gonna put you in a season where on a day one day a week when you can't do you just rest you just stop you don't go to the field to work you don't go to the lumber mill you just come on you don't are y'all hearing what i'm saying how many of you believe that there was wisdom in that how about in today's fast-paced culture that, that'd be a great thing if we just learned to just rest. Let's go a little further. Romans 15 and 32 here, Paul uses this. And he said that when I come to you, Paul is anticipating coming to the Roman church for the very first time. And he had heard about their faith in the first chapter. He said, your faith is spoken of everywhere. So I haven't been there, but I've heard about you. And he's looking forward. To, he said, because when I know this, how many of you have people in your life that you know when you get around them, Now, there are oftentimes two types of people groups. You get around some folk, oh, Lord Jesus, you know they are going to drain every bit of vitality right out of you. I mean, like a leech, they're going to just suck all the life right out of you. But you get around other people, and it's going to be as iron sharpens iron. It's going to kindle something in you. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? And and it's going to lift your countenance. And Paul said, I know when we get there. We're going to be refreshed. He said, you're going to be refreshed, and I'm going to be refreshed. That's when church is good. Come on, somebody. That's when church is really good. 1 Corinthians 16 and 18. Here Paul is referencing two particular men that came and ministered to him. Oddly enough, even bringing resources for his ministry. And sometimes resources are a great tool to refresh you. He said here that they have, there's these two men, they have refreshed, not just me physically, Because sometimes you can be physically energetic but be down in your spirit. He said, they brought me resources and it refreshed my spirit. And by the way, it refreshed all of your spirits as well. And he said, so acknowledge you them that are such. So let's go further. 2 Timothy 1 and 16, just one or two verses in these passages. It says here, Paul, this is Onesiphorus. I love this because Paul is in prison. And during this time in prison, Onesiphorus is coming to him and ministering unto him. And he says, and when he did, he wasn't ashamed of my chain. He wasn't ashamed of the fact that he didn't duck his head. But, you know, when he came through the prison gatehouse because he didn't want people to see, you know, the esteemed household of Onesiphorus coming to minister to this apostle who is bound in chains for preaching the gospel. He said, he came, he didn't care about my prison, he didn't care about my stripes, he didn't care about what I looked like, whether I'd combed my hair, whether i was taken care of, he just loved me and he came and he refreshed me. Well, that's how many of you don't need friends like that? People like Onesiphorus and, well, you know what? You need to be a friend like that acts 3 and 19 it says this this is a time that's been promised this is on the day of pentecost the preaching of the apostle peter or immediately following the day of pentecost the apostle peter has been preaching and he's promising he's actually quoting a passage in isaiah that we're going to read two verses and that will culminate for this portion but it says that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the lord Now, I know there's a depth to that passage of Scripture. It has different meanings to it, but just on the surface level, it says to me that when I'm in God's presence, how many of you have ever been in prayer, and you went to prayer and you were fatigued, you were weighted down, your heart was heavy, your mind was distracted, but you pressed through and you went through the dark place until you got into the holy place. Come on, somebody. And when you got there, all of a sudden, you were just refreshed by the presence of God. Then your prayer became praise and worship and adoration and exaltation. And from praise, you began to prophesy. It began more, you began to do more than just petition God. You began to prophesy his promises. Joe said it earlier. You declared the promises of God. You made declaration in the presence of God, and you walked away refreshed. By the presence of God. And that passage of scripture I believe is a quote from this passage here in Isaiah 2 verses. Isaiah 28 and 11. And what's unique about this is because it is connected to the prophecy of speaking with other tongues. And everyone that's baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know that when your flesh faileth. And when you are physically fatigued and mentally, mentally tired as well. And as Paul said in Romans 8, you don't even know what you should pray for because your mind is distraught and distracted. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost... I read to you last week Jude verse number 20 beloved building up your most holy faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost and with stammering lips it was a prophecy this was a prophecy of the coming of the spirit and his work in our lives with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people 12th verse let's read it to whom he said this is the rest this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing thank God I'll tell you one thing I'm going to just detour for just a moment of time, I am grateful to be a part of a fellowship that is Pentecostal slash charismatic with a belief in the power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We practice it privately. Sometimes the gift of tongues is is manifested publicly, but we don't want to ever be that fellowship that says we're ashamed. I am not ashamed because when he baptized me in the Holy Spirit, he loosed a fountain in me that will flow out of my innermost being that will bring a refreshing to my life. Come on, somebody. I thank God for it today, and I'm unashamed of it, and it brings a refreshing to the church. It does, a renewal, and church can be like everything else. It can become stagnant. It can become, uh, you know, a a burden. It can be something that becomes heavy laden, and you can even be caught up in ministry so great that you've lost your joy of serving. But I'm telling you, the work of the Spirit can lift all that. It can so this particular word is defined in Scripture from the different, tra- from not just the different translations, but from the original language. Because there's Hebrew in both Greek, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek or Aramaic in the New Testament. It means to be breathed upon. So when you think about refreshing, you can put it in a context that works for you. What works for you to be breath- think think about for a moment of time when, when on a hot summer's day and you've been working, perhaps maybe in the hayfields and Finally, a cloud came over and a wind blew. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it just brought that little bit of refreshing for a moment of time or an oasis. Recruit thyself in company. That that seems odd that that's an actual definition. But as this goes forward, you'll understand that connecting with the right people, being in the right place of people that handle themselves and distribute their gifts appropriately, is very refreshing. Now, you don't want to ever be the person that's always drawing people down, sucking, as I mentioned previously, the very life of them. But it is a good thing to know people that have gifts and callings and that they are willing to distribute. Because when you're in their presence, it's going to lift your life. It's going to bring a refreshing. And so, you will recruit yourself in company. It can also mean to take ease or rest. There's a rest that God's people. The scripture says in the book of Hebrews that we are to labor to enter into his rest. Think about that. You have to labor to get to a place of rest. But once you get there, it means of both of your relationship with Christ, number one, you need to be at peace with God. If every day you are unsure whether or not you are in fellowship with God, something is wrong with your theology. Come on, because if you are in Christ, there's no more secure place that you can be than to be in Christ. And that should put your soul at rest. And so the, or to repose goes on to say to cool off or to relieve. So little different angles, little different connotations kind of collectively put in the word refreshing. That we need refreshing. There are various ways to be refreshed not only physically but also spiritually. I receive it many times in worship. Here's a v- passage of scripture that validates it. And I think many of you do as well. First Samuel 16 and 23. This is the passage of Scripture when Saul was tormented by an evil spirit, the first king of Israel, but he's hardened his heart against God, rebelled against God, and evil spirit is now tormenting him. David is gifted with the ability to play on the instrument called a harp, a stringed instrument, perhaps even to sing. Many of the psalms have been captured in the the psalms of David that he wrote. So perhaps he's singing worship unto God, and he just does it in the presence of Saul. And in that that moment, Saul, who is tattered and torn, emotionally distraught, angry, resentful, jealous, bitter. Because that spirit is working in his life. But that spirit then is driven away by the anointing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The anointing upon David's life. As David just worships God and plays that harp, that stringed instrument. I don't know about you, but I find that in my worship. Especially when I come to church and the worship team enters into worship and they're not entertainers and they're not trying to put on a show and this is not Branson and this is not a production. This is a group of men and women on the platform who have set their heart to enter into the presence of God. They cannot carry you there. They only invite you to go with them, to go with them into the presence of God. And you say, well, pastor, I don't like that kind of music. Well, that's your fault. You just need to say, God, I'm not concerned about the sound of music. I'm concerned about bringing you glory and adoration and exaltation and worshiping the name of the Lord. Lord and when you do so I'm here to tell you that old contentious spirit that old demonic spirit that's been tormented he can't stay he when you begin to worship God and you begin to give God glory and submit yourself and humble yourself and fall before the Lord in brokenness then you can't act a fool anymore come on somebody you then got to give God all the glory that spirit's got to leave hallelujah and so it's different ways and means But there's a passage of Scripture that I want to read with you here that sets the context in which I'm going to deviate from, not deviate, but bring into the full content of what I want to share. It's still in a day of refreshing. The context is refreshing. This is the passage of Scripture that I found that was in my heart that set the prelude. I'm going to expound the content to you in just a moment of time or the context without reading multiple passages of Scripture but it's in second samuel 16 it's the 14th verse i'm sure they're going to post it on the screen i want you to read it with me i've had it in my spirit it says and the king and all the people that were with him came weary and they refreshed themselves there the king and all the people that were with him came weary and they refreshed themselves there That's been in my heart as I contemplated about where to go and to minister because as a pastor, I thought to myself, I feel like many in our church are just weary. I think they're just weary. I think they're emotionally drained, physically drained. I think the times and seasons and the uncertainty of our culture and things that have changed and shaped, uh, that that are reshaping right here in our culture and the uncertainty of their financial future and difficulties of parenting and, you know, it just kind of weighs you down at times, doesn't it? I'm not the only one where you just get emotionally, are y'all hearing me, physically uh, drained and you need a refreshing You need something that lifts your countenance. You need something that lifts your heart and your mind and your spirit. And for me, there's nothing like making a biblical association. So I set my heart to associate with David in this moment because there's another three verses of Scripture in a moment that we will read. But Well, actually, we are going to read a few more verses. I forgot that I probably will read. But there's three verses that really give us greater content. But let me put you in the context from which this passage of Scripture is written. This is at a very difficult time in the life of King David. Now, unfortunately, this is the result. Unfortunately, this is the bitter fruit of David's transgression with Bathsheba. the 11th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel tells us the story when David went up to the rooftop of the house and there he saw the lovely Bathsheba bathing on another rooftop. And how he used his kingly authority to bring her in unto him. And he lay with her. And then he tried to hide it up and cover up what took place. And ultimately it led to him putting her husband at risk militarily until his life was taken. And you know the story how that Nathan the prophet comes with the judgmental word uh, unto David because of that sin. That's the 11th chapter of the book of Samuel. As unfortunately we see the the bitter fruit of that transgression begin to be revealed by contingency in David's own household. And t- contention found its uh, its pinnacle in the life of his eldest son Absalom. Absalom was, I don't want to say David's favorite child. He shouldn't have favorite children. But Absalom was a, a man's man. He was a, he, was a, he was a very strong man. He was out in the field. He had, was very gifted. And, and yet, unfortunately, there was a constant conflict between him and David. And ultimately, that conflict grew so great because, again, of treachery that Absalom had brought to the household upon some of David's other children. The, the, they, were, they were actually separated for two years. For two years, they, they were apart. David then finally sent word and allowed da, uh, Absalom back into the area, back into kind of the family you know unit or the family tree, but they still didn't see each other for a great period of time, and it created great contention and division. And Absalom began to see a moment at that particular time to seize the right to the throne. Absalom began to see David involved with other things and not judging the people like kings did in those days. And so Absalom would find himself sitting outside. You know, a lot of judgment took place, not at the courthouse, but the city gate. And Absalom would sit there. Some people would come with crises, needing someone to pass judgment and needing someone to to handle this dispute. And And Absalom said, if I were only judge in the land, If I were only judging the land, I wouldn't be on the golf course. I wouldn't be out on my hunting trip. I would be here for you. I would be here. I wouldn't be out on my vacation. I wouldn't be staying at the summer palace. Or I wouldn't be at the winter palace. I would be right here at the gate to help you. And the Bible says that that Aslan slowly stole the hearts of the children of Israel. And one day through the council, the ungodly council of those that were around him. They deemed that he had stolen the hearts of the people so great that he could plan a coup and he could take over the city of Jerusalem and this is the context in which we're written or, or, or in which we read that passage of scripture what's taking place Absalom has planned the coup he, is, he, has, he has got people that are coming to him word gets back to David that Absalom is coming he's raised an army they've announced that he's the king and David begins to make plans to flee it's a very difficult moment and you have to understand he knew that he didn't have the, the, the manpower to resist this army that was coming and it would be a ugly bloody civil war that nobody wanted to be a part of it it would affect his family his children and his children's children so David begins to make plans to flee and so when he does as he's preparing to leave the city many are following with him even prominent men in the city that they their allegiance is strong to David and they come out and they say David we're going to go with you wherever you go we're going to stay with you you're always going to be our king and David sent some of his closest counselors back one by the name of Hushai if I'm pronouncing it you don't if I'm pronouncing it correct you don't know whether I am or not (laughs) so we're going to go with that He sends him him back and says, you'll do me more good if you'll stay. Zadok, the priest, tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant. He said, keep the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem and perhaps God will bring me back one day and I'll be privileged to worship uh, at the Ark of the Covenant in God's house. Uh, In this passage of Scripture, uh, we see that David then uh, uh, is forced to flee and it's a very emotional journey outside the city of Jerusalem. I encourage you to read it. it's in the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th chapter of the book of 1, 2 Samuel. And y'all stay with me for just a few moments because it's a parallel, uh, maybe not a parallel, perhaps it's a paradox of an experience that Jesus had. And I preached this to you one time before. On the very mountain that Jesus himself descended into the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount Zion on the triumphal entry and he wept as he saw the city. David is now going up Mount the Mount of Olives and as he's ascending up, he's barefoot, his head is covered and he's weeping as he goes because he's leaving the place that God has placed him as the king it's a it's a unique story it's a picture of the of Jesus Christ and his passion for the city of Jerusalem and as he leaves he's weeping and he's thinking about all that's taking place he learns that his close friend Ahithophel as one of his dearest friends and counselors has defected to Absalom and as he does he's praying because he knows Ahithophel is a wise man, and he will give good counsel to Absalom. It's going to be difficult to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. And as he does, he's praying, God, I pray, turn, turn the counsel, turn the counsel back. Make sure that when we have this conflict that we're able to actually overcome the counsel of a Ahithophel. And so this is a unique story, and David goes further, and he makes his way out of Jerusalem, makes his way through the villages, nightfall is soon to come, and he comes to a little city, a little town, a little village called Bahurim, and as he does so, a man by the name of Shimei, of the descendants of Saul, comes out, and he begins to throw dust at David, and he begins to curse David, and he begins to throw stones at David, and he begins to say, you're now suffering because you're a bloody man, because you took The kingdom of my father Saul and now God is rightful indignation and wrath is falling upon you and your suffering some of David's men say to him let's not listen to that dog curse the king let me go and kill him and David said no he said if God wants me to be cursed by that man then let him curse me because perhaps God will be merciful unto me so that you've been displaced from your home your family is fractured you don't know about the security of your wife and your children and your children's children you know that the potential of a bloody civil war lays in front of you and you're just saying God I'm in the wilderness I'm fatigued I'm thirsty I'm tired and they came to a place and for a brief moment of time they refreshed themselves there I'm telling you every one of us have seasons and situations in life that are more contentious than others. Every one of us have highs and lows, ups and downs. We have mountaintops experiences but we also have valley experiences where we're in the most difficult days of our life and we've got to learn that God is grateful, gracious. God is kind and he is merciful and he will give you an oasis in the middle of the desert. God will give you a river in the middle of a desert. God will give you a moment where you can find the sustenance and strength and encouragement. Everything around you may not change. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Every Some of you here today, you got, you got conflict in the family. You got unruly uh, teenagers you've got trouble in relationship I'm not saying everything's going to be fixed when you walk out of this room today but I am here to tell you that there can be a refreshing from the Lord and you can get some encouragement to go and to continue doing what God's called you to do let me take a few moments of time. I may go a little overtime in my preaching, but that's okay. I haven't even got to the good stuff. I can't split this message up, so you've got to just pin your ears back and stay with me for just a little bit. But i got to read to you just, to, well, let me just, I'll paraphrase it. There was, I, I wanted you to see for that first night as they make their way out of the city, things happen inside the city. Absalom arrives there. Ahithophel gives him ungodly counsel to go David had left 10 concubines to keep his house Ahithophel said why don't you go in unto those 10 concubines and be despised do in public view be despised in the eyes of your father oddly enough on a rooftop perhaps the very same rooftop that David had journeyed are y'all hearing me today that he had been on when he espied the beautiful Bathsheba bathing And then Ahithophel gives him counsel. He says, I'll tell you what, Absalom, let's do this. Let's go right now. David, David's distraught. There's no organization. This is our moment. They don't have have their act together. People hadn't rallied to them right now. We'll overtake them in the field. Let's go. We got 12,000 troops right now. They're armed. They're ready for war. Let's go right now. We'll overtake him and we'll kill David. And when we do, the men of Israel will scatter and they'll be all gathered to you. And Absalom heard the advice. And he said, well, that's good advice. That sounds good. That sounds like the right thing. But now remember this. Remember, this is so good. I just get stirred in my spirit because I thank God for scripture because I just see God working. But remember, David had sent his close advisor and friend Hushai back. Who wanted to come with David? But God, had, David had said, "You may have to. You may have to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel." So then, Absalom said, "Well, bring me Ahith, bring me Hushai," and he said, "And let me hear what you say." Hushai said this. He said, "I'll tell you what. The counsel that Ahithophel gave you is not good at this time." He said, "Because you know your father." He said, you know your father, he is a bad dude. You read it, King James, he said, he is a bad dude. He is a man of war. He's touched, King James English, he is touched in the head. He's a warrior, he said, and he won't be camping with the people. You'll attack the people, and he'll be hid in a cave somewhere. He'll be like a bear with its whelps taken from it. He'll be backed up, gnarling, and fighting, and ready. You don't want to do that right now. He said, just let him go, let him go, and slowly gather all of Israel unto you until we will eventually be able to overthrow David. And when Absalom heard, Heard that counsel, he acknowledged and said, That counsel is greater than the counsel of Ahithophel. And so that was God. Listen now, how many of you know that in the difficult seasons of your life, if you could only look into the spirit when the enemy's making plots and schemes and plans to steal, kill, and to destroy, hurt, and beat you up and pull you down and take from you the very life of God, that God is defeating their counsel by placing angels and placing movement and giving wisdom and discernment because God so loves you. God so loves you, he will work on your behalf even when you can't see him. And so word gets back to David and said, David, don't, get on to the other side of the Jordan. Go at night, cross it at night, but get your family, get some time and space between you and Jerusalem. And he did so. He heeded the council and he's got time and space. Now a battle would come later. We won't get there today, but let me bring this to a conclusion by putting you in the proper context and let's read this passage of scripture. So David is now fleeing beyond Jordan with his family. In 2 Samuel, the 17th chapter, tells us that they came to a particular community called Mahinahim. And Mahinahim was the place in Genesis 32 where Jacob had saw angels. So as of a biblical context, it was a place of favor in the, in the presence of God. And here, read what it says, We're beginning in this 27th verse. It came to pass that when David was come to Mahinahim, that Shobai the son of Nahash, of Reba of the children of Ammon, Three men, and Maker, the son of Amiel of Lodabar. This Maker has prominence because he had given refuge to Mephibosheth. In 2 Samuel chapter 4. And it says here in Barzilia, The Gileadite of Rogalim. Barzilia is an aged man. Over 80 years of age. But these men. Notice what happened. They understand that David has fled. They understand the treachery. And the treason. And the coup that's taken place. But their heart is still loyal to the king. 28th verse. Let's read it. It says. And they brought beds. And basins. And they brought earthen vessels. And wheat and barley. And flour. And parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse. Let's read it, 29th verse. And honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind, which means cattle. Not cheese of sheep, but cheese of actual milk cows. Cheese of kind. For David and for all the people that were with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry, the people are weary, and the people are thirsty in the wilderness. Thank God for people that recognize that God's given resources to them and gifts and callings and unctions and abilities to come at critical times in your life and be a blessing unto you and to share of their resources, and to share of their goods, and to share of their giftings, because they know that you're hungry spiritually. They know that you're thirsty spiritually. They know that you're fatigued physically and emotionally. They know you're downcast, disheartened, and out of the way. But they know that God's put a good thing in their heart. And if they can just get to you, they got the resources to be able to minister to you in a powerful way when I was thinking about that for just a moment of time I thought my God father I believe that at times church is a Mahinahem church is a place like Mahinahem it's there that we come people from all different walks of life they're fatigued, they're tired they're distraught, there's contention at home, there's division between husband and wife, there's division between fathers and sons, there's economic crisis, there's job loss there's physical sickness, they're distraught, they don't know what to do but when they come to this house that's what I'm praying God will do in our midst today that if you came here tired fatigued weary in your journey but today you have found a place of refreshing you have found a place of renewal you have found a place where God's spirit will minister to you in a very personal way now as I'm getting ready to close I want to just close this way I was looking closely at what those gifts were and I saw a little bit of a spiritual connection today for just a moment of time I'm going to address those if I can in closing today I saw some things today and yes you didn't know it but this is uh, Door Prize Sunday here at First Assembly of God May the 1st 2016 is Door uh, Prize Sunday but yes you know it says that they brought beds and by bringing beds It could also be the coverings for bed just bed rolls a place to just do what a place to just get some rest Have you ever just had that just a place where you got to get some rest You just need some rest because you know that the battle is still raging and I'll tell you what church can be a sanctuary I know sometimes church has an edge. I know sometimes I preach uh, uh, difficult subject matters. I know that I address sometimes cultural issues, but we don't do it all the time. Come on, but most of the time, it's just about you connecting to God. It's about you finding a place where you're weary, you're fatigued, you're distraught, you're even condemned, but we bring you to a place where we say, you know what? You know what? We're going to give you some rest. You need to find a place where you're going to find some rest in God. You need to find a place where you find some encouragement in the Lord. Where you just say, God... I just found something here. I found a solace. I found a comfort. I found a peace. I found a grace. I found a goodness. I found something in my life that there, for a few moments of time, I felt special. There, I felt uh, the presence of God. There, like Jojo said this morning, Jesus was in the house, uh, and I felt his presence, and it brought a peace to my heart. It settled the turmoil and the issues of my heart. It strengthened me in all that I am before God. God just strengthened my life. Glory to God he said he brought beds but he also said he brought basins those three men brought a basin now basin was just a bowl a bowl is a critical thing because it would be a place how many of you that was the best thing to a shower have you ever camped for about seven days out in the wilderness and you would sell two of your children for a hot shower (laughs) that's the best that he could do but he brought them a bowl. He brought them a place that they could wash and they could could be refreshed and be renewed. I'm telling you, there's a part of church that's always about washing. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said. There's always a part of church about washing. There is. There's always a part of church where there's a renewal, where we got things in our mind. We've been called this or called that, and we just feel contaminated. Come on, somebody. And then God gives us a moment, and we just wash, and we're renewed, and it refreshes us, and God strengthens us. And I don't know who I'm giving these gifts to today. I'm just going. I say, God, it's all silly, but I'm just going to pray. Said he brought earthen vessels to drink from. Now, that's probably a clay vessel, but somebody here today gets a brass vessel. An earthen vessel to drink from. you got to learn to drink of the presence of God. you got to learn. I know you are thirsty. We all get thirsty spiritually, but many of us have never learned to drink. You can drink of his presence. You can drink of his glory, of his strength, of his grace, and it will lift your countenance. It will it will lift you and make you whole and strengthen you in every area of your life. And I saw Lori and I knew she said, i got to have that cup right there. <laughs> right there and I want you to know something it also said this now this may seem foolish to some of y'all but it does not to me because I understand a biblical principle the biblical principle is called the similitude the biblical principle is called an analogy or a metaphor the biblical principle is there's something in the natural that reveals to me a deep spiritual principle and it said that they brought three things they brought wheat they brought barley and they brought flour you mix all that together and you get bread and when I say the word bread in the house of God even in the house of God it typically means two things number one it means eternal life sometimes you just got to get that in your mind and say Jesus said that manna fell from heaven but it didn't create eternal life but he said but the bread that I give the bread that I give if any man shall eat of this bread he shall never die come on somebody amen he will never die he'll never die but it means more than that It means the word of God. The metaphor, it's difficult. It has a twofold application. Yes, it means eternal life, but God's word is eternal. You may remember Jesus' temptation. He was tired and hungry after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. Satan came to him and said, here's a stone if you're really the son of God. He said, then I want you to turn the stone and make it bread. Remember what Jesus said, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. He said, man doth not live by bread alone but by every word of almighty God every word when you come to this house I can't promise you bells and whistles I can't always promise you goosebumps, and I can't promise you certain things but there is one thing I can promise you from this pulpit you're going to hear a word from God you're going to hear a word that God's laid on my heart that's going to strengthen your heart your mind, your soul come on somebody and it won't be just anything it will be good bread come on, not white bread but wheat bread Whole wheat bread. Come on. Whole wheat bread. Whole wheat bread. The best bread. Eat that for lunch. I'm just feeling Jesus. All right. I know it's wacky and crazy, but it's, I hadn't even got to the good stuff yet. Corn. I'm going to show you a couple things. You've got to read deep in the Word. There's a couple of things hidden here. This is crazy. I know, but I'm going somewhere, and I'm almost there. Right? I come to bear. Come on. I bear. This is church. This is wacky. This is crazy. Preachers passing out crazy stuff. Lentils. David. David and a man named Shama got in the middle of a of a lentil field. You know what he said, Jack? He said the enemy came to try to get their lentils. And David, they drew swords together and said that the enemy may get somebody else's. Lentils, but he ain't getting mine. Come on, somebody, amen. Lentils, lentils, pulse, beans. Come on, I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. Corn, Teresa, I'm giving you some corn today for your lunch. Corn, there's a, there's a virtue, there's a promise. I got it. Beans, good for the heart. The more you eat, the more you're smart. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm on fire. I'm just feeling it today. But there's a purpose behind it. I'm going to show you in a minute. Y'all think, Pastor, you're out of your mind. Yes, I know. I've been there. But it's a good thing. It said, didn't just say corn, but it said parched corn. Now, when I understand, I know some of you say, oh, hillbilly preacher. He understands understand that in those days they didn't have maize, M-I-I-Z-E. They had whole wheat. Now, you see that I did know that. But, but we don't eat whole wheat like that. But we do eat. <laughs> come on now and not only do we it said pulse pulse meant cooked beans hello somebody you feel that you feel that i'm just walking right there no church in america is passing out chips and dip <laughs> other than first assembly of god Heber springs kim right oh, yeah. there kim's a new grandma come on kim and Dwayne are new grandmas and grandpas right there there's three more things I got to close, but I'm gonna show you. Now this one is a, this one's really cool right here, right here. This is a honey. Honey's an awesome thing, and and honey some people won't share honey with you. T- I've been to some folks' house and they, they just they ration it out. I gonna give me a hot biscuit and just put a little bit of honey in it. But I'm telling you, honey is a biblical thing that represents joy, yes. laughter. Come on, you need to have a smile on your face. You need to have a little bit of sweetness in your life. You need to say, I know that things are chaotic and I know things are confusing, but when I get in the presence of God... How there's a sweetness in Jesus. It doesn't change everything around me. It doesn't change all the craziness. i still got battles to fight. My son is still, you know, there's, he's still leading a rebellion. We know that the end is not here yet, but it just lifts your countenance and it refreshes us. And God will give you honey, honey to share with other people. <laughs> Glory to God. I love this one right here, Butter. You know what, Pastor Brown has fought against the tide of all this informational, uh, you know, informational, I don't want to say irregularity, but it is. You know, for a while, they'll tell you this is good for you, and then that's bad for you. Then they'll say, no, oh, I'm sorry, oops, that was bad for you, and this is good for you. Well, I'll just tell you, all those years, they were telling me that that I should be drinking 2% milk and 1% milk, and I said, no, we're drinking whole milk at the Brown household. And then I learned that, again, that the, the fat content in whole milk helps build the testosterone in males. And I have three alpha male boys. You just go and figure that out on your own. We don't drink the milk with the pink cap or the blue cap. We get the red cap. Come on, somebody. And I, didn't, I wasn't into all that margarine. Give me butter. Now, this is not 100% butter because I wanted somebody to have some spreadable butter. But this is, just real quickly, this represents, Say, so what does butter do? Butter is fatness. Now, you say, Pastor Brown, that's the last thing I want. No, you don't understand. That's a biblical context. Fatness. Fatness means goodness. It just means wholeness. It means wellness. It just means strength. It means confidence. It means I get up every day and my face has a shine to it. Come on, somebody. It means I have an anointing upon my life. I know Paul said it is God that hath anointed us. You know, I don't have to get up every day and say, well, God, T.D. Jakes has an anointing and, and John Hagee's got an anointing or Jensen Franklin has an anointing and I don't have it. No, I can say it is God that has anointed us. I can I can put myself in the contest because God had an anointing that was <laughs> was spreadable and he spread it and gave it and passed it and he breathed it onto our lives and god's got an anointing for your life he does he's got an anointing for your life and it will strengthen you and it will lift you and it will cause the favor of god to be upon you and you need to be not ashamed of it today you need to know that you got the anointing francis has got the anointing francis is uh, is an aged lady that's got the anointing of god upon her life She does, she does, she does. Pastor, this is so silly. You're passing out these little gifts and you're leaving a lot of people out. I know, I know, but I'm just showing you what happens when we come to church. And I know some of you can't just say, right now, Pastor Brown's got beef jerky. (laughs) Yes, I do. I've got beef jerky and cheese. Hallelujah. Did y'all feel that? Where's the teenagers? Teenagers, this is your day. Here's what I'm going to do, Mason. I'm going to give you these, and you're going to pass them out to the teenagers. There's only 12. If they don't have it, they got to have a buddy, and then one gets cheese and one gets beef. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Brown, why, was, why is that? What is that? Because it said lamb and cheese. It said sheep and cheese. Protein. Strength. I had a brother come to me earlier today. He so said, Pastor, I'm Tired. Tired. I need strength. I'm telling you, there's strength in God. There's strength in God. There's strength in fellowship. There's strength in his word. There's strength in his word. I said there's strength in his word. The battle will soon rage. And you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. This is not the time to eat jello. This is the time you need to eat something that's going to give you the strength of God to face your battle and to go forward. And so today, I came to this house. I want to ask the worship team to come back. We're going to close with a song here today. The scripture says in 2 Samuel chapter 17 that these three men brought their gifts and dispersed them to the children of Israel because they discerned in their crisis that they were weak, they were weary, they were hungry, and they were thirsty. And they had gifts, they had resources, they had an ability, to lift their countenance and my prayer is for every one of you under the sound of my voice I know you came here today some of you downcast disheartened divided strained relationships but let me tell you just by being here today nobody may have given you a piece of beef jerky that came from Walmart but there's been jerky shared in this house today there may have been no one give you a bag of lentils or a bag of beans but let me tell you the good things of God have been dispersed among us today And I want you to know that if you'll take it all in, if you'll take it all in, it will will strengthen your life. It will strengthen you. I guarantee every one of you is going to leave here today different than when the way you came in. Won't you stand up with me today? Let me pray with you. We had such a powerful prayer Well, ago, but I'm going to open the altar and reopen the altar as they sing. And I want them to sing.